Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. feels really fitting at uh, a dedication to be able to talk about hope and the reasons where, why we might find hope and where we might find hope. Because, I don't know about you, but I, I've kind of almost stopped listening to the news at the moment because it all feels a little bit too grim. It, I think for me it started in lockdown and it, there's something about the relentlessness of the state of the world, if you like. And uh, so this is often how I feel, um, my head in my hands. And yet, it's not that I don't care. Sometimes I, I don't really know what to pray. But hope is such, we need hope. Hope is such an integral part of the human condition. We need it for our lives. So where do we find it? I wonder if you just would like to turn to your neighbour and just say, what, what brings you hope? What is it that you see sometimes or hear that does something to your heart and makes your heart say, yes? Just have a little chat with one another. Okay. That's good to hear that clearly you find hope. I, I love it when kind of on a clifftop walk, when you see flowers grow out of the most extraordinary, hard, barren cliffs. And for me, there's something there of a symbol of hope. There's something about hope that allows us to reframe the experiences we have of life. What's ha happened to us in the past what is happening to us now. There's something about hope that allows us to reframe those experiences and shows us maybe a different pathway, shows the experiences in a different light, shows how we might be able to walk forward. The Bible, of course, talks a lot about hope. And in fact, I think we could safely say that 
it, it's, it's about the whole book, the whole library of books, is about the message of God's hope for the world, God's hope for us. And we're going to be using um, this letter from Peter as a kind of springboard. We're going to be looking at a few of those verses because clearly they were also going through a pretty grim time. So to unpack this, the first verse I'm going to be using is God in his great mercy has given us new birth. And to look at this verse, I'm going to look at a broad view of the mercy of God and the hope that he gives us. So I'm going to look at an overview of the Christian faith of hope. And I've actually done this before, um, and I promise you I'll be doing it again. Because I feel it's so important that at times when we can't see the wood from the trees... It's so important and helpful to us just to think, so what is it about the Christian faith that has captured my heart? So in the beginning, we have a God who created this earth. It's not just some random mistake. We have a God who created this earth and all that, was, that is in it. We have a God who created humanity in his image and who breathed his very breath into us. So there is something different about us because we have God's breath within us. We have something of his character. So we long for things like kindness, unselfishness, patience, trust, justice. We have something of the character of God within us. But he did more than that. He gave us responsibility. And for the sake of this overview, I'm, I'm using three examples. He gave us power. When he made the world, he said, go govern it. It's yours to control. He gave us the power. He gave us sex. He said, go and be fruitful. Create communities. This is what you need to do. Create communities. And he gave us money. In the sense that he said, all that is in this world is yours. You are to steward it. It's yours. And it was so, so good. So there was perfect harmony between man and woman. There was perfect harmony between them and with God. It was so, so good. But as we know, it didn't happen. You give human beings a bit of sex, power and money and corruption follows. And so not being satisfied with what they were given Adam and Eve kind of wanted something else. They wanted a bit more wisdom. They wanted a bit more power. They just thought that what they had didn't quite satisfy them. They wanted something else. And so from 
the kingdom of God, which was so, so good. They made a decision that maybe seemed a bit innocent at the time, but a little bit daring. They made a decision that brought disaster. And so they created their own kingdom, where they still had the power, they still had the ability for sex and for, uh, to, for money to steward. They still had the image of God within them. But other things came in, most notably separation. There was alienation from God. There was conflict with one another. So within this kingdom of their world came division, disagreements, quarrels. It was all pretty grim. And so they had come from the kingdom of God. They now had their own kingdom of world. Of, of world. But it's not the end. And this is where the hope of the mercy of God comes in. Because God did not leave them alone in that state. The rest of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is, is kind of one long story, narrative, of God chasing after his people. And they can't make up their minds whether they want the kingdom of God or whether they want their own world. And they, it, they sway from one to the other. Sometimes they follow him, sometimes they follow themselves. They can't make up their mind. And chaos in, ensued, of course. Their own actions caused disaster. But God, in his mercy, never gave up on them. He made promises, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. And it was into this broken world that Jesus came. It was into this world of indecision where they couldn't quite make up their mind one way or the other that Jesus came. So this man, Jesus, who fully inhabited the kingdom of God and fully inhabited the kingdom of the world in the sense that he was a human being. And he said this amazing thing, where I am, that's where the kingdom of heaven is. And he gave an invitation. Do you know, you don't have to stay in this kingdom of the world. Come, come and follow me. If you follow me, if you turn your back on the kingdom of the world, come and follow me, and the kingdom of God will come into you. You will inhabit it in a way that you have never inhabited it before. And so that's where we get this kind of description of new birth. In this broad brush stroke of the hope of the Christian faith, this is it. That God in his great mercy has offered us a way that we may turn our back on the kingdom of the world and enter and have the kingdom of God enter into us. The reason that we have hope and that Phoebe, we can offer Phoebe hope for her life, no matter how it turns out, 
is that there is a merciful God who is looking after, chasing her down, wanting to inhabit her life as she inhabits his life. And then the second reason is this, that Peter writes, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. How wonderful to be able, for me, to be able to share today, just a, a week after Easter Sunday, that the reason we have a living hope is because of the resurrection of Jesus, the empty tomb. How wonderful to be able to share on the, the day that we dedicate Phoebe and her, dedicate her life to God, that we're able to have this living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. So with the narrative of the Holy Week that we spent looking at, we can reframe that now because of the empty tomb. We can look back and reframe those experiences with hope. So as we saw on Palm Sunday, this kind of um, all the different expectations that were upon Jesus, we saw the clash of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world, where people couldn't quite make up their mind who Jesus was and where they wanted to be, which kingdom they wanted to be in. So Jesus went around teaching, living in community, doing good, healing people. Sometimes it was recognized, sometimes it wasn't. But in the end, with no, because he refused to compromise and would only channel the kingdom of God, eventually he annoyed too many people. He ups upset too many and he was crucified. And maybe on that Good Friday, we have sort of in clarity the kingdom of the world, which were probably quite pleased that this irritating man had finally been dealt with and was gone, we had the kingdom of God, his followers. Perhaps they were just in despair. We, it was such a sober day, isn't it, Good Friday? And yet, come Sunday, we have the empty tomb. We see, once and for all, the power of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of this world and all its disaster. We see that despite the brokenness of the kingdom of this world, it is not the end. And there we find our hope. Because new was being created. Jesus came back. We, they saw him. He takes the brokenness of the kingdom of this world. He takes my brokenness, my white hair, my wrinkles that have come because of life's experiences. And he takes it and he transforms it into something new because that's what the empty tomb is saying. That is our hope. So I am no longer defined by my brokenness. I am no longer defined by my wrinkles and my gray hair and all the stuff that I have said in the past that I wish I hadn't said, the stuff that I've done that I wish I hadn't done. I have been and am being transformed into something new. 
And quite obviously, this something new is not immune from the kingdom of this world. Quite obviously, as Peter was writing to those churches, they were going through really hard times. Quite obviously, whatever we see going on around us, the effects of the kingdom of this world are still with us. But it's into that world that Jesus comes, that Jesus speaks, that Jesus comes and has his presence with us, that Jesus transforms. And so we are able to reframe our experiences because of the hope that we have in the empty tomb. I have a friend who um, I've got to know over the last few years. She has an illness. Um, she's had an illness for 40 odd years. One that has prevented her from living what, what we might call a normal life. Sometimes for, sometimes for years, she has been bedbound. She's a believer. She has a living hope. And we sometimes talk, what does that look like for her? Of course, on one level, she would love to be well and to live a normal life. But she's also coming to the realisation that maybe that's not what life is going to hold for her. What does it look like for her to have a living hope? She has reframed her experiences in the light of a living hope. And so what I see in her is a union with Jesus Christ, which is awe-inspiring and takes my breath away. It is beautiful beyond belief. There's something about God's horizons that are far beyond ours and our understanding. And there's something about the union between him and us that is more powerful than having legs that operate. The living hope allows us to reframe our experiences. And as we open ourselves up to a situation where Jesus is able to talk to us, he is able to be with us. And in doing so, as the kingdom of God comes and dwells within us, the kingdom of the world is broken and is transformed into something beautiful. I quite like Charlie Mackesy. I don't know if any of you have read his book. It's in no particular order. It's called The Horse, the Mole, the Fox and the Boy. And I've always wanted to um, use some of his quotes in a sermon, and today's the day, so it's quite good for me. Um, what's the best thing you've learned about storms, asked the boy. And the horse says that they end. I think that's a living hope. We don't know how they will end or when they will end, 
that the living hope, the empty tomb, tells us they will. And then the horse is asked, what do you think brought us so close together? And the horse replies, the storm. Charlie McAfee is a believer, and there is something about that um, that's just spoke to me about how the kingdom of God transforms the, king, the storms of the kingdom of this world. And to end with, I just um, took this, that we have an inheritance that is shielded by God's power. I'm planning a coronation party here um, on May the 6th, to which you are all invited, more of that later. And so I have on my mind um, King Charles, <laughs> as we all do, I'm sure. Um, but I was just thinking that, you know, he has lived most of his life being prepared to be king. So he has had training. He has had... I, I don't know, all, all, of, all, all of his life, has, the experiences of, of his life have been in preparation for the day that he became king. And that's what we're celebrating in a couple of weeks' time. And there's something about that to, to me that it kind of brings this Christian hope thing to a full circle. As as we reframe life's, our life's experiences with a living hope that Jesus is able to transform us and our experiences, our inheritance will be the kingdom of God in its fullness when we are no longer tainted by the kingdom of this world. And that actually that's what part of this life is about. It's about being in training for that time. We, we get glimpses, we get insights, and that's what we are working towards. And that our faith is being shielded by God's power. God's power and God's mercy. Because he never stops chasing after us. So that's the hope that we can offer Phoebe. That's the Christian faith that we can offer to ourselves as encouragement, but that is also the faith that we want to preach to those who don't know yet. That we have a merciful creator God who loves all that he has made and that he offers us a new beginning that we may learn to operate in the kingdom of God and have the kingdom of God operate within us. So, I wonder, what about you? What are the situations that you need to reframe with hope? What are you asking God for? Where do you need to see hope? What hope 
do you need to have in your own heart, for yourself, your situation, your loved ones, or the wider world? Where do you need to find living hope? Thank you, Mary, so much for that. Um, as Mary was speaking, I had quite a strong picture of, I don't know if any of you have watched um, Great Expectations. I, I started watching it, and I found it far too depressing. I used to be an English teacher, and I taught it. And I thought, this is so dark, I can't face it. And it's a story about great expectations that remain unrealized. Of, it's a story of disappointment, despite great expectations. And I just thought, as Mary was talking, I'm sure there are probably quite a few of us who feel, I had a dream, and it's died. And so I wonder if we could just uh, be still uh, and try and bring that to God, and really with a challenge of, will you dare to hope again? It was just fantastic to hear the story of um, Pete and Beth having uh, hope for the future, and that's why they chose names, because they've got a vision of, they believe God's going to do good things. And I just think there might be a word for people who have lost that hope. You once did trust, and you don't quite know where it's gone now. So can we keep a moment of quiet and just ask God for his help on that?